Welcome. It's Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. I'm here with Charles Hodder. If you have any cards at ComC, your cards went through Charles and his team in the identification, which is, believe me, not simple. So I'm really looking forward to discussing with uh, Charles what he does and how he got there. But first, thanks sponsors. First and foremost for this episode is ComC, ComC.com in Washington. But I've also got Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, and Topps, Panini, and Upper Deck. So, Charles Hodder, welcome to the show. I've really been looking forward to this. I've had some other people at ComC, but I, you've been on my list from early on. Tell us your hobby journey, and welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, I guess my uh, hobby journey started uh, in late 1985, early 1986. I was hanging out with a friend of mine, and he had some 85 Tops football cards, and I've always been a collector, and I wasn't even into sports then, and I saw them, and I went and asked my dad, I'm like, can I collect football cards? And he was like, sure. And I got a few packs. I got some packs of 86 when it came out. But the big revelation for me was a friend of ours had tickets for the Mother's Cookies baseball card day for the Giants and gave them to us. And that was my first uh, baseball game. Every time the Giants hit a home run, my dad would buy me a hot dog. (laughs) And so I became a fan very quick. I think the Giants hit three or four uh, home runs that day. So I overate. But I got Will Clark's first card the day it was issued and just been hooked on Giants baseball since I don't even really collect football anymore. It's been all baseball and uh, oddball stuff since then. I've been a Giants fan since 86. I started getting into the minor league stuff. And when I found out that there was a team in Tokyo called the Giants, I started seeking that stuff out in about 1990. I was living in South Dakota at the time. And my dad and I took a trip to the West Coast and uh, we hit up some minor league parks along the way. Wound up taking us something like 13 days to drive from South Dakota to California just because we went way off the beaten path. We went up into Edmonton, or I'm sorry, not Edmonton, Calgary. There's no Cannons game that day, which I was pretty upset about, but I got to see the Billings Mustangs. So I really got into the minor leagues from there. We took in about five or six Giants games in the Bay Area, and it was just a lot of fun. And we stopped at Portland Sports Cards, and I got my first ever Tokyo Giants cards there. They had an 88 set of the of the team and I got that and so I started seeking out Tokyo Yomiuri Giants stuff and Giants minor league stuff and anything weird like I got way into NFL Europe and World League of American football so that's just been so the eclectic yeah do you think that was a precursor for why you're doing what you're doing now? That you're- uh, for sure. All my hobbies uh, are eclectic. I collect Russian subway tokens. I collect, what else? Weird, obscure, heavy metal vinyl and stuff. I've always, oh, back of the book stamps. When I was a stamp collector as a kid, I collected revenues and airmails and stuff like that. I didn't get the regular stuff. So for some reason, the weird side has always appealed to me. So that's what I got into. And that knowledge base is what's uh, helped me out working at ComC. It's allowed me to do a lot of research to get a lot of stuff that we wouldn't normally carry. Are you the the gatekeeper of what gets in? Because there's a list of what is approved. And I'm trying to get at whether you're more of a uh, a team leader or you're just the the judge or the jury. Or There's a whole bunch of people, I think, doing this ID stuff there. And you're mm-hmm. getting an awful lot of cards. And are you getting the tough ones? Are you making the tough calls? Explain, if you can, how that works. I wind up usually identifying the tough ones. If it's not in the system, nine times out of 10, it's going to go to me. At the beginning, it was just a few of us making the call, but it's not just like I'm a gatekeeper. We have a certain set of requirements. We try and keep like the things that aren't directly sports cards to sports. Like for example, postal items, if they're sports related, we'll take it like a postcard of Roberto Clemente about the stamp, we'll take it, but we won't take just any postal card. We don't want to open a Pandora's box of taking in everything. So we've had to 
create some standards of what we will and won't take. Back when we did the beta test, we were trying different things like schedules and eight by tens and stuff, but there's just so much of that out there that in order to keep from just getting completely buried in that we keep schedules to being card-like schedules. They have to be on card material and feature a player. Eight by tens have to be issued by a card company. So we'll take like the signature rookies or the Panini ones from the national, but we won't just take any eight by 10 that's got a MLB hologram on it with an autograph. So that's one of the main things that, that we do. We have standards as far as what we deem acceptable for the site. We've recently decided to not accept anything with the Confederate flag on it because it's a hate symbol. And even in a historical context, it's still uh, a hate symbol. We don't take anything with a swastika on it. That's why some of the Pacific World War II cards will take and others we won't take anything depicting Hitler. It's constantly evolving. That's why some people will send stuff in and then all of a sudden we're not taking their stuff and we did in the past. Some stuff we grandfather in if we make a change. Other stuff, for example, the hate symbols, we don't grandfather it in. And whenever we come across it, we'll then remove it. We don't have a list of all the things that have the Confederate flag on it. For example, General Lee from the uh, Dukes of Hazard has a Confederate flag on it. So when a set pops up, we're just like, okay, I'm just going to take a half hour to go through and pull out all the Confederate flags out of this set. That, that's one part of it. When somebody sends in something that it, it's not approved, it's not on your list, it's one mm-hmm. of the uh, exceptions. But I'm also curious about the things that come in that you're just saying, I've never seen this before. I don't know what this is. And what percentage of your submissions are that you want to put it in, but you can't, it's difficult to identify. Do, do you all have a committee? Do you kick it around? Do you, do you ever get back with the person that submitted and say, what is this that you submitted? Because I get that yeah. very rarely. Yeah. My favorite part of the job is doing the research. I try my level best to make sure that everything that fits our criteria can go into our catalog. We get so many cards in that I I can't dedicate as much time as I would like to doing the research and some stuff I will get back to people and, or I'll have customer service contact them. We have our unsupported list. Sometimes if customer service is backlogged and I'm backlogged, I'll throw it into unsupported, hoping that they'll put in a correction request with the correct data in it. And then I'll gladly list it after that. But most of the time I do the deep research to try and find stuff. Okay, that's that's one question I had for you. When I have something that's tricky, I put in a correction request if it's unsupported, and I think it should be, I can see on my correction list, uh, correction request list, that it was dealt with, but not necessarily how it was resolved. Mm-hmm. Is there a way that you could communicate other than me bugging you to say, hey, you're still saying it's unsupported, even though I'm telling you, I'm giving additional information. So what's my best strategy there? Uh, the problem is it's all once we put in uh, how it's resolved, it's all automated. And there's no real way other than if we can get Tim to program something to allow more time and a way to answer that. But it's just, we get so many correction requests that it's just kind of time prohibitive to, to really get into that. If somebody has enough of an issue, they can contact our customer service and then that will generally get back to me. I don't have a way to directly contact the customer. It's almost like a game of telephone where I have to give my information to customer service and say, hey, can you please contact this user and uh, let them know that this is the issue. And then they'll contact, say, hey, I did that. And then it goes back and forth. There's a few people um, that I know that that have a direct line to me, but most of the time it's, you know, we've just got so much stuff that it, that it has to be pretty much bang, bang. And it's sometimes not as uh, in-depth as I would like. Okay. Very helpful, Charles. Okay. I'll pick my spots, but I'll, if I uh, see that it was dealt with and it's not resolved in a way that I can understand, then I'll ask for clarification. And I'm not yeah. expecting a response in 10 minutes or anything, but. That's the key. It, we are not a huge company. When people contact 
us. We do our level best to try and to try and get back to people if, if they have a uh, you know a question that we can answer uh, on something like that. It's just sometimes it just takes a while. The other question I had again: to what extent are you also dealing with? At some point, you're dealing with scans. The card mm-hmm. is is scanned. And at what point are you involved there in your team? Are you evaluating the scan or you, with access to the card? Or are you evaluating the card? My team evaluates the image. The people that do the sorting, when the packages come in, they handle actually physical looking at the cards, determining a grade and stuff like that, if that's necessary. But yeah, my department handles images. It's We used to be able to, if we have a question about something, I'm going to run down and take a look at the card. But now that we're, we've grown as a company and we have multiple locations, it's not as easy. And also with COVID, I've been working from home. I can't run and look at a card. So I have to contact somebody within the company and hope that they're not busy to go take a look at things and figure out where it is. So yeah, we're doing mostly just images. If I have a card and I think it's silver, but you say it's gold and I have trouble uh, detecting that, is that a problem with my monitor, with my hardware? Is your equipment sophisticated enough that if I say, I think this is silver and you have it as gold, you without looking at the card are you again do i have a problem or is there a solution there it, that could be either there's some sets where differentiating between gold and silver just based on an image is nearly impossible and there's others where if you have a, a good resolution you can make it out if there's ever something that's a in question i have no problem with sending somebody to take a look at the card but one thing that we do is we trust the people that are sorting the cards if somebody says hey this is silver and they tag it as such that, that when it comes to, through to us, we'll get a note that says this is silver. And then we put it in the silver. We take the words for it. Same goes for like Tiffany, some of the glossies, like clear glossies and stuff like that yep. that aren't marked. Tiffany's easier to pick out because of the card backs. But some of those ones where you just kind of have the card in hand, we take their word for it. And they're not above making mistakes, just like uh, people IDing from images aren't above making mistakes. And our goal is to get as accurate as possible. So if there's any doubt that it is a silver, then I will have somebody go take a look at it. And if I'm incredibly confident that what's gold or I can see that it's gold and it's just a monitor resolution, I'll, I'll leave it as is. What do you suggest for me if I'm sending in something like that and I can see that it's silver because I'm holding it in my hand and I'm putting it in the box to mail along with a whole bunch of other cards. I put some post-it notes on occasionally and y'all didn't like that. Is there some way I can indicate that this is the tougher variation that's very subtle that I can see? Because once it gets out of my hands, it gets into your hands. It's Hard for me to remember if it's, especially if I'm on a 12-week turnaround. Actually, mm-hmm. y'all are not doing 12-week anymore, I don't think. So I've got some cards that I had in there that had taken a long time, and it's hard for me to remember. But what, what do you advise me to do? Or others? Yeah, was that a while ago with the Post-it notes? Yes. We're a lot more amenable to people putting uh, notes in their stuff now. It's not necessarily a pick-your-battle sort of situation, but don't okay. overload us. Don't put a Post-it note on everything. Because then it becomes like a nightmare for us. But if you have like a stack of uh, a few cards and you want to make sure that these are the silver ones, there's nothing wrong with with saying, hey, these cards, X card numbers of this set are silver and putting a, putting a note on that. That Yeah, we're, we're definitely much more amenable to that now. But something that comes in with 40 or 50 notes, then that's just, it's an, an overkill situation that just don't really need at the moment because we are trying to get as much out as possible and to, to have to parse through all of that yeah. um, well, is just a little too much but a note or two is fine yeah you paid my day charles because again generally i'm trying to send in you already have plenty of copies of the common version it's the tougher 
variation that it's, it's hard to tell from a scan. So that's good. Again, I love the fact that uh, COMC is uh, very generally uh, responsive to consumers, I being one. <laughs> and I always talk to Tim and I have my little list of things and he has never failed to not adopt everything I said. And he's never failed to not adopt something that I said. It's his business. I think he's doing a great job. He's got great teammates like you, Charles. Thanks everybody for being on this episode, a little deeper dive into uh, the ID situation at ComC. They, like everybody else, are are swamped. And that's a good thing. Charles, I'm not asking for any favoritism. I just keep up <laughs> the good work and look forward to interacting with you again. So thanks everybody. Thanks, Charles Hodder. Be back again tomorrow. Thank you. We're doing our best. The man-